from beautiful downtown Sacramento, it's time for Beach Blanket Fort Bingo! Beach Blanket Fort Bingo! Beach Blanket Hey everybody, this is Spaz, and you have tuned in to another episode of Beach Blanket Fort Bingo. On this episode, I chat to the illustrious Mr. Bill Lloyd. He's a great singer-songwriter, producer. He's been in the business for many, many years, and I'm sure that there's probably something in your collection that features Mr. Lloyd, either as a singer, a songwriter, a guitar player, or whatever the hell he wanted to do that day in the studio. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Bill Lloyd right here on Beach Blanket Fort Bingo! If you are a collector of power pop, Americana, country, or rock and roll, chances are you have something in your collection that features Bill Lloyd, either as a songwriter, musician, or producer. From his early days with new wave pop outfit Sergeant Arms and his chart-conquering country recordings as one half of Foster and Lloyd, to his solo releases and numerous side projects, Bill Lloyd has been writing and recording music for four decades. He's worked with Marshall Crenshaw, The Sponge Tones, Glenn Tilbrook, Buck Owens, Steve Earle, Ray Davis, Cheap Trick, Robert Crenshaw, Carl Perkins, Pat Simmons, Rusty Young, Graham Goldman, and dozens, if not hundreds, of others. He's written songs for country artists such as Trisha Yearwood, Sarah Evans, Martina McBride, and many more. He's a musician's musician and a songwriter's songwriter. While he has his feet in many different genres, he's a master of melody and has been embraced by the power pop community. With albums like Feeling the Elephant, Set to Pop, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, Back to Even, and many others, he has built up a loyal following over the decades. More recently, he signed with Spider Pop Records and has released two critically successful albums on the label. His most recent projects include a live-in-the-studio album with his band The Tallyman and a digital-only release by Project Ghost Outfit, a supergroup featuring, amongst others, Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick. I recently chatted with Bill about his career up to this point. With such a large back catalog of great music, I only touched the surface of this man's brilliant career. Consider this just a teasing glance at Bill Lloyd's musical achievements and an introduction to the man himself. I encourage you to take a deep dive into his music after listening to this conversation. Welcome to the Blanket Fort, Bill Lloyd. Just 
dog, a cat, and one step brother. Before we chat about your latest batch of releases, let's reach back to the very beginning. Do you remember the exact moment when you realized that you wanted to be a musician, or, or was it a series of events that pushed you in that direction? Well, my dad had been a uh, sort of semi-pro drummer. Uh, he, when he was in the Army, he managed officers' clubs, and he was a DJ, he was a journalist. He kind of did all these different things. And he had a drum set, and I would watch him play when I was a little kid. And finally, by the time I got around to asking him, hey, you have your drum still? He'd sold his kit, but he got me my first kit when I was in second grade. So, And my mother played piano, and there was a lot of music around the house. My mother had been a, a librarian, and uh, I was, so books and music was like a big deal in my house. And uh, I was an only child, so uh, a lot of time when I was at home, I'd be looking all over the house at all the records and books your musical influences really seem to be varied initially were you drawn to a certain musical direction i mean i liked uh i remember some of the first things i really enjoyed as a kid on the radio there were uh things i would just hear and and like them uh like diane renee please don't talk to the lifeguard which is like one of these really dopey kind of not even not nearly as good as leslie gore or as sophisticated as her stuff, but like a real, you know, just a sing-songy kind of thing. And I remember the Four Seasons. It was, I just remember liking all that. But when the Beatles came out, that was just monumental for everybody, I think. You know, I was just the right age to where I wanted to buy a guitar right after that. You know, I already had drums, but I wanted to have a guitar as well. And my parents relented and got a guitar for me. So, yeah, the Beatles was a hard to convey now just how many people that inspired because now we've got tons of channels and tons of ways to hear music. And, you know, back then it was just only a few spots to go on TV to see something you might like, you know, especially if it was youth oriented. I did dig Ricky Nelson on the end of the Ozzy and Harriet show. I like that stuff. And I actually had a Ricky Nelson album before I ever had a Beatles album. So I'm, I'm kind of old, you know. I kind of go back that far. <laughs> well, you never seem to notice me No matter what I do When everybody in town crazy over you When you first came to prominence as a member of Foster and Lloyd with Radney Foster, how did that project come together? And weren't you already involved in some other projects before the two of you came together? Oh, yeah, we... You know, there was a band I was in in Kentucky uh, with a songwriting partner and everything that uh, we made, recorded a bunch of things, made some independent vinyl and had originally gone to New York. So I'm, I was living in New York in 1980 when, when John Lennon was killed. I was actually living up there and, and we were trying to get in the studio. We ran out of money and came home back to Kentucky and uh, and we put out some records after that, some independent records. but. Nothing really happened with that band. It was called Sergeant Arms, and it was kind of a, a little bit of new wave pop. We had kind of the kitchen sink in there. It was kind of art rock and reggae kind of stuff, and just a little bit of everything. Oh, she's caught in traffic, and I'm fooling myself. You just did a reunion. We did for the first time in 36 years. We all played together, and that was something. That was uh, 
and, and mostly muscle memory. I mean, we didn't rehearse a lot. We, we did a sound check and a gig, and that was, you know, but we only had, what, six songs or something. So it, it all came back to us. And uh, I moved to Nashville in 82 and was in a couple different bands in the local scene and uh, had uh, a sort of a publishing deal, not really a big publishing deal, but it was like a indifferent. I mean, they would own a copyright of a song that I would in this studio uh, called the castle. Uh, they would, I would uh, go and record in their nice fancy studio, and they would keep the copyright and the publishing part, and I would get the writer's share. I had about I don't know eight to ten songs done out there at that place, and finally uh, I had a local following in the clubs in Nashville, and they I got a lot of airplay on uh, Vanderbilt's radio station. Uh, there was a song called Feeling the Elephant. And that was on, you know, it was in the amongst all the songs that I'd recorded during that time. And it was very kind of like the Cars Meets T-Bone Burnett or something like that. Anyway, it was, it was, it had an acoustic kind of flavor and, and uh, kind of jangly at the same time. Anyway, that got to be a local hit here in Nashville. And all that situation turned into a publishing deal with Mary Tyler Moore Music, MTN. That's where I met uh, Radney Foster and started writing songs with him and, woman named Beth Nielsen Chapman, who I still write songs with. But uh, and it's funny, you know, Bradney and Beth are still in my life. You know, they're both of those people are still my friends and collaborators from time to time. Well, you had achieved a good amount of success with Radney, yet the two of you went your separate ways. Was that a typical case of musical differences? I'll tell you what happened was that the uh, Foster and Lloyd thing just played out. It wasn't, country radio wasn't responding to us anymore. And he felt like he could do better with a kind of a fresh start cut his hair and <laughs> kind of an, a little bit of an image change and kind of did his own thing. And it worked on his first album, which did real well. He's still out there kicking up dust everywhere. So uh, more power to him. You know, he, I just saw him a couple weeks ago. We're all feeling the elephants Blind and feeling the elephants Blind and feeling the elephants Since then, you've released an amazing string of these solo albums, beginning with Feeling the Elephant. Yeah, that came out actually before the first Foster and Lloyd album. So uh, that record was already out there by the time the first Foster and Lloyd album came out. So They even had a sticker on the album that said, Save Bill Lloyd from a career in country music. Isn't that hilarious? That's, that's, uh, uh, I had to explain that <laughs> a few times. But... Uh, I didn't get around to recording a solo, uh, putting together. I record all the time, but it's actually assembling an album until after uh, Radney and I had split. And I would started a band with uh, Rusty Young from the band Poco and Pat Simmons from the Doobie Brothers and John Cowan from the Grass Survival. That was eventually called the Sky Kings. And uh, both a record for RCA, and which is now Sony, and a record for Warner Brothers, both eventually did come out. But at the time, they were both shelled because it was, uh, again, country radio just wasn't responding to the kind of thing we were doing. That's how you learn about love. You make some mistakes. You take a few wrong steps along the way. And if you work just a little when it hurts just a little, you grow a little closer Uh, but I still wrote songs for other people and had other 
hits within that format. Mostly women like uh, Martina McBride, Sarah Evans, Trisha Yearwood, Tanya Tucker. Well, when you first began the solo career, were you aware of the quote-unquote power pop scene and just how quickly this audience was reacting? Oh, yeah. Uh, Bruce Brodine and I have been friends for many years. He was uh, someone I met early on, and, and uh, there was a, a, a group of people in uh, Texas, not our friends at Spider Pop, but uh, uh, a group called Oddities, A-U-D-I-T-I-E-S. Uh, there was like a list, especially when the computer uh, sort of became a, a thing. And there were chat rooms about power pop. And uh, yeah, I was I was hit to all that. He was born just a little too late in the 20th century. Running concurrently with your solo career, you've remained an in-demand songwriter, session musician, producer, and there are also other side projects. Now, does it often get overwhelming with so much going on at the same time? I, you know, I can compartmentalize pretty good, you know. I enjoy uh, just doing a wide number of things. I have a fake band right now that's called Project Ghost Outfit. It's me and a guy named Adam Schoenfeld. He's a great guitar player, and uh, he plays guitar with Tim McGraw on the road. But he also does sessions for all these different people here in Nashville. Really great guitar player. And and, uh, Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick on bass, and Keith Brogdon on drums. And Tom and Adam and I wrote all these songs. It's been around for a couple years, but finally got mixed and uh, released this last year, 2019. It's like just a total fake band. You know, it's not really a band, band, but we don't go out and promote it, but uh, it's just another fun thing to do. Set to Pop was released in 1994, and this was the album that really brought you to the attention of of the pop lovers, the power pop lovers. Did you foresee that album as being kind of a game changer for you? Well, it was kind of an extension of what I've already been doing. Feeling the Elephant got really great reviews everywhere people heard it. I got a lot of great feedback on that. But then the, uh, it seemed like the, the press on Set to Pop was just kind of over the top. Because, I mean, I got a stereo review album of the year on that. And uh, people just, you know, really putting it into a, a real league of excellence. I was just kind of shocked. So I but I, I, I thought it was a fine record, you know. I, I, to me, I'm just I'm writing these songs and recording them. And it's just kind of a flow. And uh, I try to pick the best ones to be on an album at a given time, you know, and kind of assemble them how I'm feeling it at that time. During the album's 20th anniversary, you released Reset, which found you revisiting the songs with uh, different versions of every track on the album. While you're an artist that is always moving forward, was it fun to go back and add a fresh spin? Oh, yeah. Well, I tell you, one of the biggest reasons why I did that was because as I was going through all my stuff, all my songs, and finding... Uh, I found live versions of things. I found alternate takes and I started assembling. I said, what, what if I put this album out again, instead of calling it set to pop two or son of pop or whatever, call it reset, like hit the reset button and actually have some of these outtakes and live versions, but also have some remakes on there. 
And that was what was fun, was revisiting those songs and doing, you know, alternate versions of them. I mean, some of the versions on there are like demos, you know. There's a version of a song called All Right that I cut down in uh, Memphis with Jody Stevens from Big Star and Rick Clark. And, but the, there's an earlier version of that that's on that reset. Anyway, yeah, I just thought it was fun to do. But it came out worked with a lot of great artists, including Cheap Trick, uh, Ray Davis, Buck Owens, Glenn Tilbrook, Steve Earle. Being an incredibly busy musician, uh, do you feel that you have ample time to focus on the solo releases? I don't have a manager. All my records I've been making for myself, they're kind of one at a time. I don't really have a big uh, solo career out there. You know, I keep making these records and people keep finding them and that's through good people like yourself who like to talk about these records and spread the word on them. But I'm not out there uh, trying to uh, get on the road so much. You know what I'm trying to say? You know, I wasn't when I was 40 and I'm not when I'm 64, you know. It's just, but I do do shows every so often i'll be playing out in california on the end of february uh as part of this uh wild honey orchestra thing and and then uh thomas walsh from uh, bugwash and myself are going to be doing a, a show at uh, molly malone's on uh, sunday night so I, I will be actually doing a show doing my own music which will be a lot of fun i hope i can get some folks to come out in 2004 you and jamie hoover from the sponge tones recorded a fabulous album called uh paparazzi that same year, you were briefly a member of another quote-unquote supergroup called the Hanging Chads, featuring you, Jamie Hoover, Don Dixon, and Robert Crenshaw. Was that planned to be more of a serious project or just a quick one-off? Jamie and I had made this record together. I always call them buddy records, you know, where we wrote all the songs together. And some of the stuff we did in my studio, most of it we did at his. Dennis Dyken added the drums after the fact, actually. He played drums after the tracks were cut, which is kind of a backwards way of doing it, but that's how it worked. And, you know, uh, it was great fun to do that record with Jamie, and, and we, I, there's a bunch of Sponge Tones tracks that I've co-written as well with them. I admire Jamie a lot, and, you know, and that band was kind of thrown together. Don had a, a record that was getting ready to come out, and Robert had just had a record come out. It was a way to really just get a bunch of middle-aged guys in a van and have some fun. Same, sad song. Continued to release some great albums, including Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, Back to Even, uh, Boy King of Tokyo. You've also issued some download-only releases, and you reunited with Radney for a new Foster and Lloyd album. And I haven't even mentioned the compilations that you released. As social media evolved, did you find it easier to reach audience and get this music into their hands? Well, uh, that helps a little bit. You know, people on social media, though, are, are also overwhelmed by too many options. So if they follow through and order something from your website or if they follow through and uh, download something, you know, it, that's nice when that happens. But, but, you know, a lot of people just there's so much wallpaper on, on the social media that I think you really have to be touched by some music or 
really have to think it's fun or catchy or whatever moves you to buy something. It really has to have an impact on you for you to go the extra mile and go purchase it. You know? get hooked up with spider pop records who released uh, the loitering album in 2016 was that a covers album that you recorded specifically for them i know a lot of it was just assembled out of things that had reverted back to me spider pop had put out a compilation uh tribute record on uh, elvis costello which i i had uh, submitted a track uh john borak had asked me to do this yeah and i did that a version of Man Out of Time. And kind of a good period went by before anything came out. And I was kind of uh, asking John, hey, is that still coming out? Oh, yeah, it's coming out. I'll make sure you get one. And uh, when I got the package, I was just blown away how nice it was and how big it was and how many people were on it. And I was impressed by the whole thing. And Vic at Spider Pop had thrown in a note saying, hey, we're, we're Bill Lloyd fans down here in, in Arlington, Texas. Or, you ever want to talk to a, a label about doing a project, give us a call. And that stayed in my, I don't know, my desk about six months where I finally, I should follow up on this and just talk to the guys. And that's what happened. I followed up and we ended up doing some records together. Yeah, they're, in my opinion, one of the best American indie labels at this time. Well, they got some good folks. Uh, Chris Church is someone, I who was a friend of mine that I had turned them on to. And of course, they've got their local talent there, which is phenomenal, uh, both Lanny Flowers and Danny Wilkerson are both just really talented guys. So yeah, it's a it's a cool little thing they got going. second album for the label was uh, Working the Long Game in 2018, which made a lot of top 20 lists that year. How did you feel about the reaction to that album? That was good. People who heard it seemed to like it. As long as people are pleased, I'm happy. You know, I, I think a record like that had it come out in 1982, whatever, uh, I might have had a chance at doing something. But it's the kind of records we're making aren't exactly geared towards competing with the weekend or Taylor Swift or whatever, you know, we're not making records to try to compete with that. We're making the records that we want to make because these are the sounds we grew up with. These are the kinds of songs that are constructed in a way that we like. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and for other like-minded people to come out of the woodwork and say, yeah, that's a good record. I'll tell you one, a full circle thing that happened was that one of the songs on that record, I got to write with uh, a man from Manchester named Graham Gouldman. Graham was in Tennessee, and before that, he wrote songs for uh, the Yardbirds and Herman's Hermit and Holly's Bus Stop, Look Through Any Window, things like that. And so he was competing with Lennon McCartney on a, as a songwriter when he was 20 years old, and I was 10 years old. I mean, listen to all his songs on the radio, and to get to write with him was great. Now, he's got a brand new record coming out in March, and our song is going to be on his records as well. So that's a cool thing.
between the two Spider Pop releases, you issued an album called It's Happening Now. Why did you choose not to release that album on Spider Pop? Um, it just wasn't, didn't seem like the type of record that, uh, that they were going for. I mean, they, they had kind of the power pop thing and it's happening now. It's more of a, it's a, it's, it's entirely acoustic record, really. I mean, there's not hardly any electric, there might be a, some bass guitar on there and some six string bass or something like that, but it's really not an electric guitar oriented record. It's got tempo song, you know, uh, some tempo to it. It's not all ballads or anything like that. It's just more of a, an acoustic songwritery kind of album. I've just got too much stuff recorded that I can't bug them all the time. They would be sick of me, you know, because I'm going to find one way or another to put these records out. So I, I, I don't want to bug them all the time about my records. Speaking of which, you issued an album in 2019 called Two Guitar, Bass, and Drums, which was recorded live in the studio and features fantastic versions of some of your classics. What inspired you to record the album, and are the Tallyman a band you normally play with? Yes, they are. Uh, that's Keith Brogdon, the drummer, is the guy who also plays in Ghost Outfit. And Mike Vargo is a guy I love playing with. He, he's in a Beatle band out of Chicago called The Return, where he's playing McCartney. He even learned to play bass left-handed. But he's got a great voice, uh, and he's been, he played with Radney and I, and he played, he's been playing with me for a long time, he and Keith. Uh, Pat Buchanan is a stellar guitar player here in town, who, uh, he also made some uh, solo records and some group records for bruce brodine uh, pat made a record called idle jets and then after that i think he did a or a single that uh, spider pop put out pat's way talented and uh and uh, we've been playing together on and off for 20 years so that was just every time that band got together it was kind of show up and blow up <laughs> you know and do it right i mean it just uh, it always felt great i had this time in the studio at blackbird academy i said Let's just set the band up and run through as many of these songs as we can. And that's what we did. And uh, took the best of them and, and then went back and mixed them and fixed the thing here or there. Not a lot, though. I went electric when I first laid eyes on you. And you kept turning up the juice till my fuse is blue. Surge, I felt the kick. I went electric. But there's also a live project that you're involved with called The Long Players, uh, alongside Steve Allen, who's best known for his work with 2020. What can you tell listeners about this group of musicians? Well, it's a good group. Uh, we're all based here in Nashville and, and uh uh, Steve Eby is the drummer. He was in a band called Human Radio that were on Columbia out of uh, out of Memphis uh, in Steve Allen. And um, Steve was in 2020. And uh, our original bass player was Gary Talent from the E Street Band. But Gary got to working again with that other band that he's in. You know, I think they must be good or something, you know. And uh, so uh, he, he'll still, we still, in fact, we still rehearse at Gary's house. And he still comes and plays with us from time to time. But uh, Brad Jones came in as uh, Gary's replacement. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a power pop heavy band, you know, that we've got. We've been doing this for maybe 17 years here in in March. But we'll take an album and we'll learn it, and then we play it, you know, in order 
live with guest singers and then the, we'll take a break after we do the album and then we come back with more songs from the same artist to cover up some of the other hits they had. We started off with the, the Stones' Let It Bleed. It was the first one we ever did. And we did, uh, I remember after the Gold Rush from Neil Young. And third gig was Blonde on Blonde by when we had Al Cooper come and play keys with us. And Charlie McCoy played Carmonica. It was pretty great. And, and uh, we did Sgt. Pepper way back then, too, that first year we were together. And we did that at a local theater. And uh, and it really was because I had done that already that Tom called me to play with Cheap Trick doing the Sergeant Pepper thing. That was how I ended up getting that gig was because I'd already played the record. Are there any new projects in the pipeline for Bill Lloyd? Oh, yeah. I've got, a, I've got an album or two ready to go. I record and I write all the time. That's what I do. Uh, and whether anyone cares <laughs> or not, I'm just... I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. If anyone likes what I do, then this will be great because there'll be stuff floating around for a while. But uh, I'm thinking about putting out Feeling the Elephant again with the whole bonus disc of uh, outtakes, songs that could have been on that album that weren't, and then another six rehearsal songs of songs from that album because that, that album's out of print right now in, in a uh, physical sense. And I also have uh, uh, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants is out of print as well. So I've got a version of that remastered and then with uh, bonus tracks. Forever bouncing, bouncing off the walls. You know it's bound to hurt when she falls. But when she's flying, it's just like a dream. She ain't crazy. She's on a How can listeners stay updated on all things Bill Lloyd? Well, social media, everybody's got their own favorite stuff. A lot of people do Instagram. They won't do Facebook. A lot of people do Facebook. They won't do anything else. You know, I don't know anybody doing MySpace anymore, but hey, you know, there probably is somebody. Tom is left on on MySpace. But uh, on Facebook, I've got a, I'm fairly active there. And I do, I do have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. But there's a, a website called BillLloydMusic.net. And it's my name, all four L's in a row, B-I-L-L-L-L-O-I-D, Music.net. And there's a website there that you can uh, check out all the musical releases. I'm working, working along That's it for this episode of Beach Blanket Fort Bingo. I'd like to thank my special guest, Bill Lloyd, for chatting with me. And remember to check out Bill at BillLloydMusic.net. That's BillLloydMusic.net. And I'd like to thank you for hanging out and listening to our conversation and for supporting Beach Blanket Fort Bingo. Remember to like, comment, share, subscribe. Smell you later. Ah, sorry.